Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Everybody Dances. Today, I am joined by Elizabeth, a licensed creative arts therapist and board certified art therapist. And Elizabeth immediately draws from her life and shares her experience working with her clientele, as well as her tips and her journey as a human being and what therapy, schools of thought, and theories she feels supported by. I'm so glad you're here and please enjoy this episode with Elizabeth or Liz as I love to call her. Thank you. Hi, Liz. Hey, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm going with the flow. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, thank you for coming on to the podcast. Of course, of course. Happy to be here. Yes, everybody dances. And I uh, was just going to start off slowly by asking you um, basic questions like, Who are you? Where do you hail from? Mm. How old are you, if you feel comfortable? (laughs) And uh, when did you first know you belonged in a creative or helping profession? Ah, So (laughs) I hail from uh, (laughs) my name. First off, my name is Elizabeth Filano. I am a, a creative arts therapist, art therapy board certified. Um, I hail from Long Island, New York, um, Nassau County area. I grew up, born and raised over there. Um, And I am 33 years old. I don't mind sharing that because, hey, age is just a number. We are as old as we make ourselves. So that's just something I always have kind of reminded myself. And I feel like this is going to be a very good year for me because it's a double number. So... (laughs) Yes, and so, 33 is the, isn't it like the holy trinity? Yes, like yes, it's yeah. a it's a big number. So I'm, I'm very excited for this year. 23 was a good year for me too. So I just feel like threes are something for me. I don't know why. And then, um, yeah, so art and creativity. Um, I grew up in a house where everybody was very creatively expressed. Like my mother played piano um often and I would be like right next to her while she was playing and she taught me how to play a little bit I'm not like an amazing pianist but I definitely love to play when I get the chance to and then my mother always like made sure there were art materials in the house coloring books you know um paper to just make sure we can have that chance to express ourselves whenever we wanted to Um, And she would always hang up our art in the house. Um, Even to this day, like my nephews and my nieces artwork is all over her house. (laughs) Like it's it's very sweet. She's always been um, very good at making sure that we feel uh, appreciated for the way that we create and express ourselves. And I was also very big into journaling as a like young teenager into even now I still journal to this day and I used to write poetry a lot it's just I've always been 
very big on expressing myself in whatever way I needed to in that moment and whatever felt the best for me in that moment. So it's ironic that I ended up in this profession. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much, that's pretty much it. I mean, I honestly definitely to this day, like I explore new avenues of creativity that I haven't tried before. If I, if I get the chance to explore it, I definitely will try. Um, and when I was in my college years in my master's degree, I found a love for like ceramics. So that was another thing that I wish I could do more. I miss doing ceramics so much. Oh, I didn't even know that. That's so what elements of the ceramics or the other parts of creativity that you um, explore sometimes, what, what really pulls you to them if you can verbalize it? Mm. <clears throat> You know, when I was listening to your podcast with Yvonne, he brought up the factor of like the medias and the difference between controlled and uncontrolled medias, which is it's very big in art therapy to like we have to pay attention to those kinds of things. And I feel like I've always been the one that likes to get messy. Like I love to get my hands (laughs) dirty. Um, I, when I was little, I could even say like me and my sister used to play in mud when we were little, like we made mud pies and stuff like that. And, um, I just remember always like wanting to get dirty and like just having fun. And, um, it's what we say with like uncontrolled media is you can get like regressed with uncontrolled medias, like just kind of just allow yourself to flow, which is really fun about it. Um, I mean, I took on to painting first was like really big for me. So I have like paintings. I have so many paintings in my house. I can't even tell you I have to get rid of some of them. But um, <laughs> but ceramics, when I started doing that in my master's, um, I was learning how to throw. And that was so much fun just using the wheel. And like it's uh-huh. it's it's very controlled. Like you have to hold your arms very tightly in order to get the, you know, the vase or the cup or whatever you're making to be steady and, you know, um, controlled. So there is some kind of control in it, regardless of the factor of it's a messy type of material, you know? So I think just having that control was very helpful for me in those moments where it's, where it felt like I was out of control because school especially masters <laughs> there's so much going on and uh and I was also yeah. working at the time so it it gave me that moment to just feel in control which I think is what made me love it so much that's so interesting that you bring up control mm. um, especially in grad school because I feel like I still think back to my time in grad school and um especially working with some of the recent graduates um, at school at Pratt, um, there is this sense of like mastery of the control by then by letting go that Mm. I really, I didn't, um, I didn't ride enough, I guess, like looking back on it, I, I was very, like, even my thesis was very controlled. Um, and then I was, but like my movement and my my dancing was was uncontrolled, so then that was where I think I um, refined that maybe mutable or like you know equilibrium state um, for myself. Right, um, right. 
yeah as a dancer because our bodies are 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 messy too like you know from one day to the next sometimes they feel so different (laughs) completely different one day to the next so um I could see that with the art materials it's really important to look at that like especially as a therapist um how much you're willing to let go right and then also it's controlled but it's uncontrolled so one second this this object that you have on the wheel can be doing so well and then it just completely combusts and falls apart in your hand and just Mm. understanding like oh this is just part of the process let me just put it all back together throw it again and see what I can do you know or or see what I can save it's like it's really the ultimate metaphor (laughs) yes yes see what I can salvage after going full passion, full out, full discipline into this moment. And then when it just doesn't go the way that you had, um, not even planned, just just imagined and, and fantasized and how to repair from that and how to, um, how to keep your, your dignity. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think art allowed me that space to make mistakes. I, when I was little, I would watch, what's his name? Um, Bob Ross a lot mm-hmm. when I was little. <laughs> and I knew that Bob Ross always came on after Barney. <laughs> and yeah. I would watch Barney and then I knew Bob Ross would come on. I would usually fall asleep to Bob Ross. But I always remembered that whole thing of like the happy mistake and like, oh, there's a little happy mistake, you know? So I, as an artist, as a child, like even was just like, oh, happy mistake, you know, and even into my adult years now, it's like, okay, what can I do to save this? I think. And when I was, when I would get frustrated, my mom was very good at redirecting that frustration. So I'm happy I had her in my creative processes because I don't think I would be able to handle that if I didn't have that as a example. So Mm-hmm. what would she do was she more of like a soothing type or was she more of like a like a practical like this is what we're going to do now to uh, to move on you know it's in our therapy we call this like hand over hand right where you if somebody doesn't feel they are able to do something with it or if they start to lose their self-esteem in the in the art making process or they have a hard time even just starting to create something um we call it hand over hand where you kind of take their hand with your hand and you move move it on the paper with them you know so uh, we use that a lot with like elderly patients who can't hold hold things well but it, yeah. what ends up happening is it becomes kind of this dual experience and connection, right? But then you're also allowing them to realize that you can create. And even if this mistake happened, what can we use in this moment to um, either create something new or to continue the idea that you had? So my mom would always kind of do that with me she would say oh, okay well let's see like can you erase it or she would give me options you know so she was very practical more so but she would soothe me like oh that's all right you know 
what do you think you can do to change it? What do you think you can do to keep creating what you were creating? You know, she would give me different objects to try to figure that out. So that is something that I really, it's when I learned about the hand over hand, like technique, I was just like, my, oh, that's what my mom used to do with me. That's so ironic. Like, right. Like it's actually um, biologically rooted. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, so for yeah, me, I've always been very mm -hmm. caring and nurturing in the experience of being a therapist. So I think it's because of my mother. Oh, it's so beautiful. And was she like also like that with your siblings or did she feel like you're the, like you were dubbed the artist? Oh, um, you know, I, I feel like I was paying more attention to how she was treating me a lot of the time when it came to art making that I wasn't really recognizing how she was with everybody else. But we all were artists like and she was always hanging everybody's art up. So I feel like she did it with me, but I'm sure she did it with them, too. My sister Mary was very much into clay um, and even like took a lot of clay classes when she was in college so she my mom has a bunch of her clay stuff around the house too like all of her sculptures and things that she created and I was the youngest so what ended up happening for me was like I didn't really get to experience my siblings making art around me as often um, my sister Eileen and me are more close in age so a lot of the times what we would end up doing is we would be making art together and my mother would be there with us so I did see that experience with Eileen as well, but mostly me, <laughs> like just like paying attention to how she treated me in the process. Got it. Yeah. yeah I don't know. I was just curious about that. Um, so who is a, who was a great influence in your work even till this day mm -hmm. or, a, or a philosopher, philosophy? Um, I play a lot into Winnicott. So Winnicott talks about attachment theory and um, just how being like the good enough parent for someone. Uh, I work with adults mostly in inpatient psych. So it is an interesting concept to use this, this type of theory with adults <laughs> because a lot of the time they might not recognize what I'm doing but I'm very nurturing as I said before um, I don't know if that has anything to do with the fact that I am a Taurus <laughs> um, and that's one of my beliefs and the reasons that I feel I am the way I am but then also as I said with my mother there was that nurturing concept in the expressive parts of ourselves and then when I got into school and learning about attachment theory and how that can create problems within the personality even. So when it got in art therapy, we talked about in my art therapy courses, we talked about how borderline personality could be linked to the attachment theories um, in the sense that they didn't get the proper um, attachment with their mother and thus came on this personality issue. And I feel that we have a lot of personality disorders in the inpatient realm on top of obviously their psych psychiatric issues, but like personality obviously can't be healed through medication. That is something that needs to be worked on over time and may never actually fully be healed, but more so understanding your personality and how to help yourself and help yourself to soothe yourself 
So I do go along a lot with talking about psychoeducation, explaining to people how to work through their things. Um, and attachment theory has been big, but my biggest mentor was my director of my, my, um, my, I'm sorry, my program, um, Dr. Christine Kerr. Um, a lot of people, they have mixed emotions about Dr. Kerr. I loved her. I feel she, she brought out more of a, uh, direct part of myself. I was very much the type of person who stayed stuck in the past. I would, um, be very shamed or have low self-esteem. And she kind of brought me to be more of a, let me fight for what I believe in. Let me speak for myself, know my worth. That was something she always like stuck in my head. I worked closely with her because I was her graduate assistant. So she was always very on top of me and just like, Liz, know your freaking worth, you know, like, so as soon as, <laughs> as, soon as she would say that to me, it'd be like, yes, you're right. You're right. I have the worth. Like, let me fight for it, you know? So that's definitely yeah. one of my biggest mentors in my life and just like hearing that and seeing her as a successful art therapist and a director of a program and she's just like a no bullshit kind of person and I love those kinds of people so I kind of gravitate towards them yeah my best, my best friend is exactly the same way so I don't understand but that energy is just something I love to like be inspired by even though I'm not always like that I love to take on that energy when I need it yeah, that's beautiful. I think there's something to be said about that, like, just as a creative person, sometimes, like, I feel, especially being so, like, question, for me, it's like a, a matter of questioning everything. Mm. And then how that can sometimes come across as like, aloof or like ditzy or airy which is something I've gotten a lot um it's really not about that it's just like not willing to settle I right. feel like is what is what it really comes down to not willing to settle and knowing your worth and I think the language especially now around this mental health boom especially mm. on social media like know your worth and you know think positive thoughts I think could go the wrong way if you know we don't right we don't actively you know look at our thoughts and look at how we're talking to ourselves and our behaviors around around those actions um right know, the, the actions and the the behaviors dancing together um, right right yeah it's what we call in in kind of the positive psychology realm of things is called like radical acceptance where you're just you're accepting every single little thing that's happening to you you're allowing yourself to be in the moment and it's it's not it's easier said than done let's be real it's easier said than done and there are going to be moments where you can't be you know amazing at something and you have to keep trying until you feel comfortable enough in that process but even then you might not be like a master in it i can't i never say i'm a master in all these art materials that i use i just use them i play with them i explore them you know and i accept that part of it instead of judging myself with the finished product or like while i'm doing it anyways I'll be judging myself while I'm in the process. And it's like, stop judging yourself, just do it, you know? And that's something too that 
I try to foster when I'm doing groups with my patients is, hey, don't judge yourself. Just make something. See what happens. If you don't like it, you can get rid of it. That's okay. But allow yourself this moment to just go through the process. Don't worry about what you're going to make. Just make something, you know? So, yeah, it's like the perfect, uh, I mean, that's why I'm so drawn to art therapy. I feel like it's between music and art therapy, but I don't play an instrument anymore. So I can't really say. Yeah. Like, yeah. But I would, after dance movement therapy, I would have to go with art therapy because it's really just this like small incubator environment just you and some materials and maybe you're with other people who you know if you're fortunate you can bounce your your ideas and your your mirrored you know you can mirror your experience with them right um and the colors and the fat and the textures and the aesthetics of art making um it's really such a uh, a good time to to explore some of those feelings that are not so positive and um, you know everywhere else in the world we do feel especially in New York we do feel like we have to be on high um high performance or like (laughs) this like kind of feeling um you know because there's so many people and you I don't know I feel like that's also just like a mindset I've had to deal with Mm. um Knowing how to slow down. Knowing how to, exactly. That's exactly (laughs) it. Knowing how to slow down and realize, like, this isn't a pony show. Yes, yeah. I was thinking about it, too. Like, I just brought up, you know, positive psychology and stuff. I mean, honestly, like, I say Winnicott is a big factor in my work. But if I really came down to it, I would say holistic and positive psychology is very big. (laughs) me I'm sure you know this about me I'm very big into mindfulness I'm very big into um you know just connecting with yourself um and exploring yourself as a creator just being in the moment is very important to me so when I do the process it's important to me so I try to also facilitate that with my patients and my clients and anybody that I actually even my friends if I make art with them Like, yes, I have art therapist friends, too. So obviously, like, I don't have to do this with them. But like, my best friend, she's not really the one that like, uh, goes into art as often. And when she does make art with me, I like encourage her just, oh, just make something who cares? You know, I have all these materials on the floor. Let's just make something who cares what it is, you know? Do you get down on the floor together? Because that's also my favorite. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I love working on the floor. I don't know why. (laughs) Maybe but it's the Taurus again. Grounding. That, that grounded energy. Mm. Yeah. Right. Totally. I do yeah. that with uh, patients too. I used to, before, you know, it became like with adults, it's a little harder because you might have some elderly adults on the unit. So I have to really try to make sure it's safe for them as well. But when I was working with teenagers, I would put big mural paper on the floor and just let them have at it, you know? and that was one of my favorite things to do with them they would get so into it because they're on the floor and they're they're able to move around and move their bodies as they do it and I would give them you know the directive would be um, just move your your body keep moving don't stay stagnant so oh yeah that that was one of my favorite um, things to do with the teenagers so that's like one of my favorite um 
blends or um, hybrid dance art. Yes, yeah. Kinds of experiences. Um, for a while, I was thinking about doing like um, like a closed event, inviting adults, people mm-hmm. our age, to come in and have um, a mural paper, like a lot of mural, a lot of mural paper on the floor, and um, bring supplies and sort of lie your body in different ways um you know on the floor and like ask Mm. of course there there would be consent so to see if you can move with someone and preferably wear clothing that you don't care about right Um, because it's gonna get dirty (laughs) it's gonna get dirty yeah like it's gonna get messy and really silly and I envision doing that probably soon in the future I think that would be really fun well, definitely know, let me know when you're doing it because I will come. <laughs> definitely come. <laughs> yeah, I just, especially now that it's Gemini season, I have like all these ideas coming to the surface that I've been thinking mm. about for um, quite some time. And yeah, it's uh, definitely it would be really fun. I'm excited. Let me know when you're doing it. <laughs> yeah, and like maybe we would collectively, you know, raise money for... NAMI or something like that yeah yeah I think think it's very big we're in mental health awareness month right now and it's just kind of reminding myself whenever May comes around obviously it's my birth month that's a big factor but then like the mental health awareness month of part of it is just reminds me what are you doing for your mental health right now like are you really helping yourself in that area and yeah you know, I, as I said, I, I kind of stick to like that holistic part of things and, and holistic therapy, we have to think about the mind, body, spirit connection. So if they're not all balanced, you're going to feel off balanced. If one of them's unbalanced, like obviously you need to make sure you're nurturing every part of that. So that's a big part of my own self-help that I do is just making sure everything is is balanced enough that I'm feeling comfortable and able to withstand the stressors within my life because they're gonna happen yeah they are I know something we all have to accept that they happen in different sizes and different (laughs) different presentations and um so what you do when you're you're not at work that helps you ground into the the holy trifecta, mind, body, <laughs> spirit. <laughs> I do meditate a lot. I I make sure that I do a meditation in the morning and at night a lot of the time. There are days where I miss doing that be- just because I'm like so stuck in everything else I'm doing. But I do make sure that even on my days off that I'm making time for that. Um, I like to go to the beach and just put my feet in the water that's the thing I do a lot. I don't, I like to go for walks. Um, usually on Mondays, I know today's Monday. I didn't get to do it yet, but I'm going over there soon after we talk. But I, I go down to Long Beach and I walk on the boardwalk and then I'll go down to the water and put my feet in the water. It's kind of that, again, grounding experience um, and cleansing experience for myself. But then I also make art. Yeah. I write. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I make sure that I make space for all of those things for weekly. 
And obviously exercise is a big factor for me, moving my body, making myself feel stronger and healthier. And what I put in my body too, I'm sure I've talked to you guys about that multiple times, just about how I take care of my body. My Some of my friends are just like, Liz, we know. <laughs> like, you know, because I talk no, about- No, it's important. No, I know. If you, if you feel it's the space for it. I mean, listen, it's an 80-20 thing, right? 80% of the time you're going to eat well, right? You're going to put things in your body that help you feel nourished, help you feel energetic. And then, you know, 20% of the time you're going to enjoy yourself and have something that maybe isn't necessarily the best for you. And that's okay. You mean like like cookies and cake? Yeah, cookies, (laughs) cake, wine. Listen, I got to have wine at least once a week. Like I need a glass of wine, you know? Um, I uh, yeah that's really it it's allow yourself that space to have the things that you enjoy that are decadent and don't feel bad about it like that's I grew up with that issue a lot because um I, I share I'm very open about this on social media so if people do find me on social media it's not like I'm hiding this from people but I do have body dysmorphia I do have binge eating disorder so I've had to, like, over the years, try to find ways to, you know, um, find a better relationship with food and my body. So I have been exploring different avenues on how to do that. Obviously, dieting never worked for me. I stopped dieting. I don't call it dieting anymore. I just eat food that feels good and, and make sure that I'm not feeling sick. You know, because if you're eating like that 20% of stuff, the, the cookies, the cake, all of that stuff, if you're eating that all all week long, every day, you're not going to feel very great. So right. reminding myself, how do you feel when you eat that way or when you overeat? And it's going to happen too. I'm going to have those days where I do overeat and reminding myself that that's okay too. So the body dysmorphia part of it, um, moving my body more. And looking at myself in the mirror, saying kinder things to myself in the mirror, talking to myself better, those have all been very big practices of mine in the last like four years that have definitely made me feel better about myself. And, you know, when my body weight goes up, my body weight goes up. When it goes down, it goes down. And just reminding myself, this is my body. This is my life. This is what will occur. Women in particular, our body weights go all over the place all the time because, of our hormones. So mm-hmm. just being cognizant of how are you talking to yourself? How are you nourishing yourself? And I'm just constantly trying to keep that in mind for myself as how am I going to be present for others if I can't be present for myself? That's just how I've always felt. Yeah, that is extremely inspiring. Uh-oh. And um no, it's brave to, to really just put it all out there because that's when we start healing, when we, mm-hmm. when we remove all of the important, I mean, it's important, but like, it's not, it's not you. It's not like who you truly are. It's just all it's of these, of yeah, it's a part of you and it's mm-hmm. just some of your, um, and like, I have that as well. Like I've dealt with chronic anxiety for mm-hmm. most of my life. And I have to um, really look at that on a daily basis and really go under it, like see what's under the hood of, of the car. Right. Like, 
like really like, oh, what happened to me today that's making me feel extra this, extra right. spicy or extra <laughs> feel like isolative, like I don't want to be around anyone, you know, that kind of um, work we do all the time as therapists and help other people do as well. Right. I think something that therapists often do is, uh, you know, we we give the advice, but we don't do it ourselves. And don't get me wrong. I had those moments where that happens. Like, I'll give the advice and then I forget to do it for myself for like weeks at a time. And then I'm like, wait, and now you're getting into this area where Mm -hmm. you're not feeling okay, And you realize I haven't been nurturing myself or helping myself for so long. And, And the pandemic definitely put people into more of a perspective of I need to start working on my mental health. I mean, this is why it's hard to find a therapist these days. Um, yeah, I, I literally, I lost my therapist during the pandemic. So that was something that was very rough. So I said to myself, if I can't find a therapist, I at least have to do stuff for myself to make sure that I'm not completely going off the edge or something like that. And I still haven't found a therapist that has worked for me. I've, I've had a couple since that therapist, but they just didn't feel right. They weren't a right fit, which is also okay. You have to find that person yeah. that works for you. You got to shop around for a therapist. And uh, for listeners, I want you all to know that <laughs> you have to yes. shop around because not everybody is going to have the same therapeutic style that works for you. Yeah, what, which, um, I'm curious, are you looking um, for a creative arts therapist or just um, different kinds of, like, in, uh, like a social worker, psychologist? Mm. I've actually been looking into finding a holistic therapist um, just because of my oh, beliefs and the way that good. it would be helpful, but they're very hard to come across in in, in New York for some reason. Colorado has a bunch of them. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Colorado actually has like a, I know they have a um, program down there that kind of goes along with mindfulness and all of that stuff. So there's a lot of therapists down there that have that as a background. Um, but up here, it's a little harder to find. I've gotten on some wait lists. I'm just kind of waiting to see if uh, they're going to be able to take me soon or not. So hopefully, fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, no, fingers crossed. And um, yeah, I'm just, that's amazing to, you know, I mean, I do think it's on the horizon for you. I do. Yeah. I, mean, I, th- I think that um, the holistic therapy experience is something I I'm trying to develop into myself because I really respect the field. I don't think that enough creative arts therapists necessarily market themselves as such. Oh, um, yeah. And I think it would just make more sense. Yeah. Don't you think? You yeah. Did. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's very important just um, focusing on those things are I I mean for myself it's worked so well for me so I just feel like as a therapist I just want to be able to give that to other people as well yeah and the and the holistic um do they help you with 
like what you actually consume as well like mm. like food yes and it's like they, they literally look at you as a full human being right right, right. so <laughs> it comes as as you said it's that trifecta right the the mind body spirit so we're going to talk about the body nutrition wise how am i moving myself how am i you know what does the body mean for me the mind obviously is all that mental stuff your trauma things like that to process all of that and allow yourself to to have a balanced mind and then the spirit is all your spirituality what do you use as a way to anchor yourself and to ground yourself within this realm so it's very uh inspiring that's for sure i watch a lot of stuff on youtube about holistic therapy and just trying to give myself some ideas of what i can give to the inpatient realm of things because of course not everybody believes in that stuff so it's more so what could, what parts of that could I take, right? Everybody understands I need to take care of my body and my mind, right? Everybody understands that, but we all kind of forget about that little spirit realm, you know? Mm -hmm. The spirit realm is very important. Whether or not you're agnostic or atheist or whatever, what do you believe in that allows you to ground yourself? Yeah, like nature, mm -hmm. even, or... Right. Do you notice what, I mean, that, that also pulls into Ayurveda, which I've gotten into more recently as well, which mm. is an ancient Indian practice of, you know, what temp, what climates do you do the best in, you know? Oh. What, what, um, yes, of course, what foods should you be eating based on, you know, if your hands and feet get really cold easily, which mine do. Oh, that's really um, cool. I've never heard of that. And for a while, I thought I just had to be this, like, oh, I'm going to eat sweet green every day and, you know, be, like, one of the doctors around here, you know? But yeah. then I learned that cold, cold and dry vegetables don't do it for me. They really, they're, it's, like, they're not the best for digestion. Mm. They don't give you energy. And, like, even though it looks beautiful and healthy it's really for someone those kinds of salads are really good for someone who is um who has like maybe uh like a different um strength of skin like their skin is a little bit like tougher huh. i don't know it's, it's like there's so many different and then you can go on this like spiritual path with it where like some of us as humans are born as um, solar people or lunar people, or um, I think I'm a lunar person. Um, uh, <laughs> you think I am? Yes, yes. It's that cancer in you. <laughs> yeah, and like I really do. I am definitely moon uh, moon sensitive. Is like mm. a buzzword right now someone who's moon sensitive um and I think that's great I think we all have these different superpowers especially and it's especially embraced under a holistic framework I would love for you to send me some information on that because that's really interesting yeah there's so many they're they're called the human types and oh. there's like a lot of them and I recently like, oh I'm so very, sorry no I'm just saying it's like very when you look at it you're like for me, it was like this aha moment, like, mm. this just makes sense. <laughs> right. 
That sounds yeah. really interesting because my feet and my hands are always cold too. So <laughs> I was curious what you got out of it. Um, yeah. There was something Sometimes that it's had... just about heating up your food in a different way. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. That makes so much sense. That might be why I hate salads. <laughs> there you go. See? <laughs> why I hate them. I absolutely hate them. Like, I talk to my fiance about it all the time. He's like, well, if you just make like a salad that tastes good instead of just like a plain salad, maybe you'd like them more. And even when yeah. I do, like, yeah, it <laughs> has, a nice, has a nice taste to it, but I'm still hating it. Like, for some yeah. reason, you know? He's trying. He's yeah. trying. Yeah. He yeah. doesn't, yeah. He doesn't get it. <laughs> it's okay, though. I understand what he's doing. And I, I actually saw something recently was really interesting to me. It was like a TikTok or whatever. So I don't know how true it is. Because again, anything on the internet, God knows what's real and what's fake, you know. But there was a, like an outline. This girl, she did a horoscope that was based off of where you should live. Like based off of your horoscopes, your... your um, <laughs> where you should be living on the planet because of that so I was like that's actually really interesting I would be totally curious about that and maybe see if she would do that for me I'm it was very cool though it was like the charting like all of the moons and the planets and everything was all like oh, I have to we'll swap we'll swap yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll swap and swap Yes, definitely. So that was an interesting one. I got to find it again. I think I sent it to my friend. So if I find it, I'll send it to you. But yeah, very yeah. interesting. I was like, oh, Did you that's... find out where you would live. No, I haven't even like looked into it yet. But I was like, that's really cool. I might look into that and see what it says. Because I've always thought that I need to be in like a Mediterranean type of area. Yeah, like... me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like 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 Greece Italy area or maybe like southern like of southern America or something like that like somewhere more Caribbean or Mediterranean because I hate the cold <laughs> oh my gosh we are the same in that regard I I literally can't I can't with um our winters here so no, it's no. like and recently I've just been um meeting so many people that are from these like areas that you're mentioning like sandy beachy warmer climates and um it just I don't know it just like feels you know there's like some guilt involved and I'm like well and I think you can relate because mm. we've literally both been in New York I think like always yes if I'm correct yes so it's like once you're from New York it's really hard I think to leave because yeah. of the uh, the standard that like New York sets, like it's like this, like <laughs> it's like up there, and like your family, and like you know all that stuff. Yeah, so, I mean, I like, love New York. If New York was had weather like that all year long, it'd be different. <laughs> yes, but I know. It doesn't. I know. Well, let me just ask you. As also, um, if you could change one thing in our country or our world, besides New York having a different climate, that would be nice. Um, <laughs> uh, what would it be? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I don't, you know, politically wise, you know, it's I forget which person said it, but they said, don't ever talk about religion and politics with people. I think it was Audrey Hepburn. 
maybe she said it but uh, or or it was Marilyn Monroe I can't remember which one it was it was one of those past really in, inspiring women of the times and I just my biggest thing right now and I'm sure you've seen my stories and stuff like that is just everything going on with women's bodily rights and stuff and I just I wish the world could just live in peace and coexist with one another that's you know you see those coexist stickers on people's cars and stuff and it's that's just my vibe totally is you can believe in what you want to believe in and whatever helps you to live your life and live under this realm of love and understanding of your life and your world just don't force it onto other people you know yeah, I have been judged quite a bit based off of my beliefs in the past. You know, obviously, I believe in horoscopes and all of that stuff. And um, I was brought up Christian, but I kind of swayed away. It's I have some of my Christian beliefs. I still keep me grounded as well. But there's other aspects that I've taken from other religions that kind of spoke to me. So I call myself kind of a spiritualist in a sense. But mm-hmm. I just the one Christian belief that stood with me was to love, love everyone, love yourself and love the other people, you know, and just spread that. So that's kind of how I've lived. And when I see other things happening within the world that kind of go against that, it, it saddens me. It really does. It just, it's terrible. What's going on in our, uh, our government right now is just, sickening to me so I'm trying to remind myself that even though there I don't have control over other people I have control over how I react to it and and to give myself you know a voice because women have fought so long to have a voice <laughs> make sure we mm-hmm. use it <laughs> that's a big part but then also um yeah don't sure stay quiet out there putting myself out there to remind people that life can be joyous even with these things that you maybe don't agree with out there, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, um, especially for the young, you know, even girls younger than us right now that might not be comprehending um, right. what's at stake here. Mm. Um, and, you know, the inaccessibility of this is just one example of all of the different inaccessibilities right so it's really just it is sickening that we do have to keep moving forward and stay informed and Mm. yeah I mean I have friends right now that you know they just got married and they're worried about having children because they don't know what world they're going to be bringing their children into you know so that's something that worries me for other people in the future. Um, just having to watch my friends or family go through these, you know, these thoughts. It's, yeah. It sucks. Um, but other than that, it's don't don't be quiet. That's all I say. I give to your your listeners. Don't be quiet. The things you believe in, like, listen, maybe you agree with the opposite of what I'm saying. And that's that's something else, too. But at the end of the day why can't we just live in harmony regardless of each other's beliefs? Yeah. And not control women's bodies. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, We we should have the choice. Every human being should have the choice to do with themselves what they want. 
regardless of you know other people's beliefs it's right or not even women's bodies sorry um people that could give birth don't don't you know don't discriminate because of your emotional ignorance right essentially right yeah that's that's very powerful yeah and how do you think how do you think art therapy is going to evolve oh my gosh um, over the next 10 20 years you know holistic psychology is like we were just talking about this right there's not many art therapists that ascribe to that um and I think there are a lot of art therapists that do ascribe to uh, positive psychology, which I think is very helpful and needed. Um, do I think that positive psychology helps with everything? No, no, I don't think any specific therapeutic practice. I think we need to like have a, a mixture of everything and understand all these different types of therapeutic styles to kind of give our patients or our clients exactly what they need. But I feel that holistic stuff is becoming it's starting to become a very key point and um um what's the word i'm trying to say here it's becoming more prevalent on the internet and there being it's being spoken about more so i think it's going to start getting incorporated within our realm of course and i think it's going to become a bigger idea and concept on how to develop therapy and how to do therapy with people I think it is important because these are things that you know now these people you have a therapist you have a nutritionist you have a why not put it all into one <laughs> you know <laughs> why yeah not all amen seriously yeah. um, and listen like I'm not trying to take a job away from a nutritionist but at least a holistic therapist can, you know, continue the process of what you're working on with your nutritionist and strengthen that, you know? Yeah. Like the, um, the deeper emotional depths of, you know, what, what does this food mean to you? Right. Right. So, I mean, because I have a nutritionist, we mostly talk about obviously what foods I should have and what foods would be helpful to me to give me fuel, but we don't talk about the emotional part of the food because she's not, you know, that's not what she does. So, but it's just, okay. I do that with my therapist, you know? So that's what I'm supposed to do. Anyways, and what I want to do with a therapist. So that's why I'm looking for a holistic one. So that's why I think it's very needed in our therapy in particular. Um, and then also using that as, you know, just the kind of background. I know that a lot of art therapists, we kind of do these hybrid things. As you were saying, we use, I use music in, in my sessions a lot. I use movement in some of my sessions. I use writing in some of my sessions. It really depends on what I feel the majority of my patients need, because obviously I'm doing it in a group setting. Um, with private clients, it was a little harder at the time that I was doing that because I was on the computer. So I wasn't really able to sit and do art with them or see the process that they were creating. Only one of my clients figured out how to share their screen with my screen so that I could watch as they make their, their art. So oh, um, yeah, they had like really one great. of those pads, the, the art pads or whatever. And he was, they were able to um, connect it with it, which is, I think that's also another thing that could be added to 
the art therapy realm. Um, how do we do this through through the um, online means? Finding ways yeah. of being creative with that. How do we, and I think we need some more studies on that as well as how is um, telehealth affecting our therapy and what can we do to improve our therapy through telehealth? Because I think it's, it's moving that way as well. More yeah. often. People are, yeah, it's more definitely. accessible, it's more needed. So, and, you know, people's busy schedules, especially in New York, it makes it easier to get online to talk to a therapist as opposed to going all the way over to their, their um, place. Yeah. I wonder if that's becoming um, obsolete. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's definitely needed, especially in art therapy, that we need this, um, this connection in person as much as like just the, the process um right that, i mean i wonder if the other yeah. therapists are sorry to interrupt you <laughs> sorry okay. continue no no continue no go ahead i was pretty much done <laughs> no i was just saying like um i wonder if talking in person is becoming obsolete mm. um where where as maybe creative more creative art therapy practices are having their moment now like oh in, in, in person Right, right. Yeah. I think there's a community aspect. Tactile. Yeah. Yeah. It's like tactile need. Mm. Yeah. I mean, just talking is, it doesn't do everything for you. That's why we all became creative arts therapists. We kind of realized that just the verbal part of it isn't as, you know, there's, there's more importance in that tactile area of it as well. So, yeah. And that's why we, pull from all of the psychodynamic theories because they really at the end of the day do complement the humanistic aspects of us that oh yeah help us stay afloat yes yes very much so (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's fun to talk to people about this stuff though because you don't recognize these things you you kind of recognize them on your own but when you realize other people are seeing these these things it it becomes more prevalent and like oh i'm not alone in that thought you know so yeah definitely not alone (laughs) never alone (laughs) well thank you so much liz yeah of course so happy we got to do this i um i know we always get a good flow going so i really (laughs) wasn't concerned for a second um and you have to come back soon oh yeah definitely will we can can come up with topics of discussion if you want (laughs) yeah well we'll we'll really this is just just uh scratching the surface we'll break it down more next time oh yeah i'm so up to it okay have a beautiful day. You too. Happy happy Gemini season. Happy Gemini season. Be creative. You too. Speak up. Be creative. <laughs> okay. Take bye. care. Bye. Bye.